Well, good evening. It's good to see you tonight. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, I am thankful for this time that we have to slip away and to spend this time in your word. I'm thankful, Lord, for the fellowship that we can enjoy this evening. Lord, I pray that you would help us in these next couple of moments to give attention to your word in a way that would be pleasing to you, in a way that would bring honor to you. And God, in any way that this message needs to be applied to our lives, I pray that you would make it known and that we would be willing to do so. And I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight we're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And as you're finding your place there, I'd like to begin, like I have done on so many other occasions throughout the years, I'm going to ask you to think about something that we all know to be true, but it's probably not something you would express tonight just by way of a random thought. And so tonight what I'd like us to think about is this, is that you and I have a pretty good ability to tell when someone is taking something serious. Would you agree with that? You and I have a pretty good ability to be able to discern whether or not someone is taking something serious. To illustrate what I'm talking about, for those of us who are parents, let me ask you this. Have you ever looked at your child and said something to this effect... I know you can do better than what you're doing right now. You are not trying your best. You are not giving it your best effort. This is not the best you can do. I know good and well you're not taking this serious. You're not even trying. I think every parent has had that conversation at least once with their children, right? It may look something like this. You can look at a coworker and know whether or not they are giving their best on a job. You can tell whether or not they are really engaged in what it is they are doing or if they are just kind of half-heartedly going through the motions. You don't have to be told. Nobody has to express it. We just have this ability to tell, again, more times than not, whether a person is giving it their best effort if they're really trying and taking it serious. As that is so, I want us to consider this as well. That sometimes it is astounding, is it not, that people don't take certain things serious like you and I think we probably, or that, like you and I think they ought? Has that ever surprised you? I mean, if you look at a kid sometimes, have you ever just been in amazement that they're that lazy? How can you be so lazy? How is it that you don't care more than you do? I'm just saying, I know that my parents had that conversation with me. They were amazed at how little I could care about school and how little effort I was putting forth in that education endeavor. And, and so they had a means by which to motivate me. But, but they were amazed at how little effort I was giving to it. And I'm just saying, I've had those same thoughts with my kids over the years. How is it that you could try so little and, and, and take this so, 
so sloppily or, or, or have such a lazy approach to this. And, and again, we, we've seen people, I think, many of us have at least, people with good jobs who don't seem to care whether or not they keep a good job. You're just thinking to yourself, do you think these kinds of jobs are everywhere? So, so sometimes it amazes us, doesn't it? That people don't seem to care more about this, whatever it may be, than they do. Now, shifting gears just a little bit, I, I want to ask us a question tonight. And I want to see if, if your thoughts would be similar to my thoughts, okay? They may or may not be, I don't know, but, but let's see if we would be anywhere close to agreement on this. That in our culture today, something that seems very important to people is this, money and the things of this world that money affords. Am I, am I close to on base with this? That, that money and the things of this world seem to be very important to people, generally speaking. How much money can I make? How much money can I save? How much money can I keep? How much money can I set back in my nest egg? And, and in addition to that, how many things and how many toys can I buy and accumulate along the way? People are driven many times, are they not, by things? Even if it drives them deep into debt? People are driven, it seems, again, generally speaking, people are driven by money in our culture and the things of this world. And so as we think about that, I want us to think about this. That Solomon in the, the Proverbs, he deals with the subject of riches and he deals with the subject of great riches. There's a difference between the two, is there not? There are people who, from our perspective, we might say something like this. They are very comfortable from a financial perspective. And then we might say this of others. Those people are just rich. They are past the point of being comfortable. They are past the point of, of being at a place of ease. These people are just plain rich. They don't have a financial concern at all. Whatever they want to do from a financial perspective, they're able, and it doesn't affect them. And I don't know of an honest person who could say they look at that and they don't think to themselves just a little, that must be nice. I'm just telling you, if I had complete financial freedom, which I don't, but if I did, there would certainly be some changes to how we live. Not major changes, not anything crazy or ridiculous. I'm just saying, if money was not an issue, some things would certainly change around our house. Now, I know I've said this on many occasions, but I'm going to say it one more time just as we make our way into the, the message tonight, and that is this. There is nothing wrong with riches, and there is nothing wrong with great riches, provided it was acquired in a way that honored God. 
When someone is better off than us financially, it does not mean that they have compromised their integrity or their walk with God just to obtain that financial status necessarily. They may have, but it doesn't mean automatically that they have. Somebody may have great riches. Somebody may have an abundance of wealth. And again, there is nothing in and of itself wrong with that, provided they obtained it or acquired it in a God-honoring fashion. So why are we talking about all this? We'll turn to Proverbs chapter 22 tonight. Proverbs chapter 22 is where we're going to spend our time this evening. It's another familiar portion of Scripture to us. I kind of hate to keep dealing with familiar portions of Scripture, but as I said last week, the reminders are just good from time to time. So we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 22 this evening. We're going to look at the first part of verse number 1. And here is what Solomon said. He said, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So there in the last part of that first part of the verse, Solomon speaks of great riches. Again, that is a reference to an abundance of wealth. It is a reference to to great financial ease. And, And he says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. So what is Solomon really addressing and what is Solomon really approaching and dealing with in this statement? He is dealing with and addressing the subject of a person's name. A person's name. What is a person's name? Well, a person's name is one's reputation or one's testimony. All right. So so Solomon is talking about a person's name, their reputation or their testimony, but the name is also a reference not just to one's reputation or testimony, it is also a reference to one's memorial or to one's monument. Why is that important? It's important for this reason Solomon is not just talking about the name that a person acquires when they are living. He is also talking about the name that a person leaves when they have passed from this life. See, I thought about it this week as I was considering all this and getting ready for the sermon tonight. I know this is simple, but for me it was a little profound. And and I'm not saying that to try to impress you with what I'm about to say. But I had this thought occur to me as I was looking over the notes again and, and getting ready for this, that our name long outlives our lives. The name that you and I have, it is not just something that affects who we are today or who we may be tomorrow, but the name that we have acquired over the course of our lives is going to far outlive the days that we live on this earth. So here is Solomon, and he is speaking of a good name, and he says it is rather to be chosen than great riches. So what does it mean whenever he speaks of a good name? Well, the good part means this, that it is an honorable name, or it is a noble name, or an upright name. There's a difference between just having a name and having a good name. 
everyone has a name, but not everyone has a good name. Not everyone has a noble, upright, honorable name in the life that they are living, and certainly not everyone has a good name after they have left this life and entered into eternity. And so he says, again, we know this, he says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. What does it mean for something to be chosen? It means this, for it to be selected. For it to be selected. So it's like this, if we'll hear this, it's like this. Solomon is reminding the readers, he is reminding you and I tonight That if something had to be selected, if something had to be chosen, and it came down between a good, honorable, noble, upright name, or the wealth and the riches of this world, he said, you need to know this, that a good name is rather to be chosen or selected, or you should prefer this good name over anything this world has to offer by way of wealth or possessions. Now that seems so basic, and yet it can be a challenge, can it not? I don't care who we are, this world has the ability to entice us with the things of this world. I don't care how much you and I say we are disconnected from the things of this world. I don't care how much you and I say the things of this world really don't appeal to us. Friends, that is not true. Every one of us have certain little items that our flesh is still drawn to. I'm just saying it is a challenge for every one of us to keep in perspective what really matters most more than anything else. And Solomon said, it is our name, it is our reputation, it is our testimony, and it is our memorial, and it is that monument after we are gone that we should be giving the attention to. And if we have to choose between the two, we should always choose the good name. So some questions arise in relation to this statement then. Here's one question that my mind entertained, and I'm going to present it to us tonight, and that would be this. With whom do we need this good name? If a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches, then with whom do I need a good name? The simple answer to that question is this, is it not? that we need the good name with everyone we come into contact with? My name needs to be good with everyone I come into contact with, no exceptions to the rule. Now, I know that we know this, but I'm just going to share this with us. And again, I, I know this is all reminder But a good name really needs to begin in the home. Friends, if we don't have a good name in the home, we really don't have a name worth anything in the end. 
For those of us who are married, I'm just reminding us tonight that our name needs to be noble and upright, and it needs to be something that, that is honorable within the, the, the parameters of our marriage. I need a good name with Susie, and Susie needs a good name with me. And should I go first and, and she remains, my name still needs to be good well after I am gone. Now, I want us to hear this because this is so important. Some people assume that that just naturally takes place. And I want to remind us it does not just naturally take place. All you have to do sometimes is listen to a married person talk and you realize real quick, they don't hold their spouse's name in a good fashion in their mind. Amen to that. All you've got to do is hear them talk for just a moment and you can tell they don't really respect them. They don't really admire them. They don't really honor them. They don't really hold them with with great esteem. You can tell just by talking to them for a few moments. There's a little bit of disgust. There's a little bit of of, of angst in their voice toward the person. I'm just saying it's not just something that naturally happens. But if I need a good name anywhere, I need it with my wife. You need it with your spouse, plain and simple. But if it's going to start in the home, it needs to trickle down not just past our, not just to our spouse, but it must trickle down to our children. We need a good name, an honorable name, an upright name with our children. We need to live in such a way that they would honor us, not just while we're alive, but well past our death, should that be the way things play out. That well after we have passed from this life, that they would still speak highly of us, that they would still speak with respect toward us. And again, that is not something that just naturally takes place. I mean, every one of us have heard conversations, I think, of people talking about their parents. And you could tell there was not just a whole lot of respect from the child toward the parents. There were enough issues in the home that the parents did not have a good name with the children. Where else do we need a good name? We need a good name amongst all of our peers. I don't care if we're talking about at work. I don't care if we're talking about here in the church. I don't care if it's some other organization or function that you're a part of. Wherever we're at, a good name is what we should be striving for and what we should be seeking to achieve. So to whom do we need or with whom do we need a a good name with? Well, everyone, starting in the home with our spouse, with our children, and then again, that trickle-down effect to our peers, those we would come into contact with. So another question that entered my mind and I want to bring before us tonight is this. 
What does a person have to do in order to acquire a good name? If this good name is rather to be chosen than anything this world has to offer, then what do I need to do and what do you need to do? What does some other person need to do in order to get this good name? And the answer to that would be this. I guess to an extent it depends on who you're talking to. Does it not? So I don't know. Well, let's think about this. Tonight if we were to go to a bar and talk to a drunk, and we said, tell me, who in your life is a good person? You understand what the chances are, that the chances would be this, that they'd probably look at some drunk there in the bar and say, that's a pretty good person right there. Because that's kind of the standard by which they live, right? right. Listen, I've done plenty of funerals for people who were not God-honoring, church-attending folk, and their idea of a good person is far different than what I might consider to be a good person and a good name. You know, you talk to a thief and they might look at another thief and think, well, that's a good thief right there. Uh, it's a different standard. We, we realize that, right? Okay, so, so how does a person get a good name? Well, again, it has something to do with who you are talking to. But since Solomon at this stage of life doesn't seem to really be a drunk or a thief or, or, or someone of that nature of that spirit, I think it's safe to say this that Solomon had something of a spiritual nature in mind, that in order to have a good name, it needs to come from a good source or a spiritual source. So I, I thought this, and just see if this would make sense, that if we want a good name, then probably we ought to try to imitate the character and the person of the only one good who walked on this earth. I believe, if, I, if I'm remembering this correctly... Christ said there is none good on this earth. There is only one who is good, and that is God. And Christ just happened to be God. And so I thought to myself, okay, if I want a good name, then how would I acquire this? If you want a good name, how would you acquire this? And again, it just seems to make sense to say that if I want a good name, then I need to imitate he who was good. And that's what you need to do. Think about who Christ was. Think about his character. Think about his, his nature. Think of who he was. If I want a good name, I need to love like Christ loved. I don't need to love like I think I need to love. I need to love like Christ loved. Now that begins to set the bar pretty high, does it not? I understand that I'll never love like Christ loved, but that should be my goal. And I'm not saying that if I don't achieve that, then people will speak poorly of me the rest of my life. But what I'm saying is this, is if I really want a good name, then I need to try to take on the character of he who was good and he loved better than anyone else. That's how I need to strive to love. He had compassion for those who needed it. I don't know how many of us struggle with compassion, but I know for some it can be a struggle, myself included. 
If I want a good name, you know what I've got to strive for? And you know what I need to, to, to ask God help for? I need to have compassion for others who are struggling and going through a hard time and get outside of my own little world and what's taking place in my life. I need to have compassion. I need to have time for others like Christ had time for others. Even when he was busy and even when he was exhausted. How many times in the New Testament do we read of the multitudes coming to Christ when Christ had had sought an occasion to just kind of get away from everything? When, When he was seeking rest and the people just found him? We don't read of Christ shooing them away and saying, listen, I don't have time for y'all. This is my time. No. Christ gave time. If I want a good name, I I need to have that kind of an attribute in my life where I've got time for people even when it's not convenient for me. I need to try to forgive like he forgave. You know as well as I do that that's not always easy. Okay, three of us know that that's not always easy. I'm just saying, to have a good name, I'm going to have to forgive better than the average person forgives. And I need to strive to forgive like Christ forgave. To have a good name, you have to be willing to stand for the truth like Christ was willing to stand for the truth. Not be willing to compromise just because it's not convenient. A willingness to just say this is what's right and this is what's wrong with the right spirit and the right attitude, whatever it may be. But that's part of having a good name. Part of having a good name is this, is yielding to the authority of our Father when it goes against the desires of our flesh. Father, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, thy will be done. See, part of a good name is when you and I are willing to set aside what we want, what our desires are, what what our wants are, what our ambitions are, and we're just willing, no matter what, to just say, Lord, whatever your will is for my life, that's what I want. That's part of how a believer develops a good name. Now, does that mean that everyone will agree that that's a good name? Obviously not. There are some people who would look at that kind of an approach to life and think it was a wasted life. But for those who identify themselves as believers, they realize that gives not only a good reputation and a testimony today, but that is something that will far outlast that person's life. So to whom do we need this good name? We need it with whoever we come into contact with. How do we get this good name? By trying as best we can with the help of God to take on the attributes of the one who was good. So then it brings me to this thought. A good name is only acquired by doing it, not saying it. 
See, a person may say, oh, I think i got a pretty good name. Saying that carries no weight whatsoever. The only way that you and I have a good name is by doing those things that are good in the sight of God. And a good name, we know this, is not established in a day. A good name is not established in one action. A good name is not established in a week. We don't leave here today and say, all right, well, I'm going to get me a good name tomorrow. No, tomorrow is just one step over the course of our lives that will require thousands of steps to establish this good name. We don't get it in a day. We don't get it in a week. We don't get it in a month. It will take our lives to get this good name. So as we think about that, let's go all the way back to the beginning of the sermon. I said that you and I have the ability, more times than not, to discern when someone is taking something serious. If they're really trying, or if it's something they're not too concerned about. I want to ask you tonight, just be honest in your mind, don't say anything out loud, but just be honest in your mind, how many of us have ever seen someone who identifies themselves as a believer, and you could say this without being critical, without being judgmental, without being all these things we're not supposed to be these days, how many of us could say that we have looked at people who identify themselves as believers, but we could say this, they're not too worried about their name. They just don't seem to take it too serious. They may be a Christian, but all you've got to do is watch and you realize they're not very worried about their reputation. They're not worried about their testimony. You just listen to them. They're not a bit worried about it. And they don't seem a bit worried about how they're remembered when they're gone. We've all seen that, have we not? We have. Again, that's not a judgmental, critical spirit. That's just you and I being able to say, like we could of our kids, they're not taking it real serious right now. Right now, all their attention is diverted to the things of this world. And right now, they've got a very worldly mindset. That's what's got their attention, and that's what's got their effort. We can just see that and know that at times. So that got me to thinking this, and we're almost done. As you and I have the ability to watch the actions of someone else and discern how serious they take their name, so others are able to look at us and see how serious we take our name. And they do it all the time. They see how we love. They see what kind of compassion we give. They see to the extent that we're willing to share our time with others. They know the manner in which we tend to forgive. 
The people who are looking at us, they, they do so with a far more honest eye, honest eye than, than we look at ourselves. And, and they see how much we really stand for the truth and the right spirit and the right heart and the right attitude. And, and they look at us, and here's what they're able to see. They're able to see how serious we take this whole idea of yielding to the Father's will for our lives. As we look at everyone else's life and, and we look at how they live and, and how serious they take their name, I think we need to be reminded others are looking at us and they're drawing their own conclusions about us. Our spouse is looking at us from a whole different perspective than how we're looking at us. Our children are looking at us from a whole different perspective than how we look at us. Our peers are looking at us from a whole different angle than how we look at us. So tonight, if we're honest, here's what we know. We know whether or not we're very serious about our name. We can sit here and say, oh yeah, I'm real worried about my name. You bet, I am very worried about my name and the monument one day that will be considered about me when I'm gone. Oh, I'm real worried about it. We can say it, but in our heart of hearts, if we'll let the Holy Spirit speak to us, we know whether or not we're really taking it serious. I'm not saying we are. I'm not saying we're not. I'm just saying others know like we know of them. And if we would let God speak to us, we could have a pretty good idea as to what kind of name we're working on. I'm just trying to remind us tonight that Solomon said, the name is more important than anything this world has to offer. Isn't it amazing how few people give attention to their name but they give so much attention to the things of this world. It is completely backwards of how it ought to be. What attention are we giving our name? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you would help us, Lord, to... Take serious this name that we have, Lord, this name that will far outlast the life that you give us. I know, Lord, that as I put the thoughts together, there were certainly things that you brought to my attention, things that still need a lot of work. Lord, I pray that each of us would have the desire to have a good name enough that we would be willing to look at who you are and try to make that our goal and objective more than anything else. I pray that you'd bless the invitation tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.